0: Hi, I'm Thomas. Welcome to the Parachute Advice Podcast. My life has taken a lot of twists and turns, and on this podcast, I will dive into those experiences. The goal is to help everyone listening learn from my experiences and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes I've made. Welcome to today's episode of the Parachute Advice Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas. I recently covered the topic of planning for potential job loss and reposted last year's episodes on career planning and job search. Well, Today, I'm going to walk you through how I recently applied this in my life to land a great new opportunity. First off, as I always say, this is just my experience and something that's unique to how I've operated, but something I think can be helpful for everyone out there. I've noticed that these episodes are fairly popular around the world, and that's why I want to share my experiences. First and foremost, you're going to hear a theme through this whole episode, and that is self-respect and demanding the best for yourself. Over the last six months or so, I advocated for myself at work. I had reached a point where my career was becoming stagnant and lacking growth. I decided that this was the point at which I needed to decide. Was I just going to stay and be okay with where I'm at? Or was I going to look for the next role and the next challenge in my life? Don't get me wrong. I loved what I was doing. I loved where I work. And frankly, I worked with some great people. Also, the money was good. And I had built such a solid team that my days were easy. So easy that, I, that it made my entire new lifestyle easy. Oftentimes, I was able to leave work at 3 or 3.30 and go work out and get home at a reasonable amount of time and not have the stress of wondering what was going on at work. I had built such a strong team that when I took days off, I didn't have to worry about what was going on. But that said, I also knew that if I didn't make a change, this is where I was likely going to spend the rest of my career. And it's not what I wanted. Like I said, I had the situation dialed in. I worked in a booming industry and they had a lot of great perks. The benefits were good. We had an on site gym, great cafeteria, free coffee, free soda. I know it seems dumb, but little perks like that can make going into work every day that much better. But I wanted to be challenged and I didn't want to get pigeonholed in what I was doing and for the rest of my career just be the guy who did what I was doing. Something I've come to realize through my career is that titles matter. Well, I think it's a dumb concept. The reality is what title you have in a job and what titles you have on your resume will dictate your long-term career success. What do I mean by this? Well, I was a manager and I needed to decide, was being a manager for the rest of my career what I wanted to do or did I want to make the step to the next level? The reality is I wanted to hit that next level and set what I like to call a new floor in my career. What do I mean by this? Well, the reality is when you hit certain titles in your career, you have set a new floor in your career. You will likely never have a position below that level. What are these titles, you ask? Well, from what I've seen throughout my career, you have the classic entry-level ones. In supply chain, it's going to be an analyst, a planner, something to that effect. These are usually people with one to three years' experience. Then you might have senior planner, senior analyst. Those are historically people who have three to five years of experience. That's the point at which you can start being more picky about roles, and you tend to earn a little bit more, and you have more opportunities. When you're entry level, we all know, you kind of just have to take what's handed to you to build experience and build a reputation. Once you get to that level of being a senior fill-in-the-blank, you have a little bit more of an opportunity to grow and be picky in your next career moves. Then usually comes supervisors. Supervisor is usually specifically around the idea of managing hourly employees. Don't get this confused with being a manager. I've come to learn throughout my career that many employers treat supervisor different than manager. They view supervisors as somebody who manages hourly people, usually with clearly defined rules and guidelines. While being a manager, you are managing salaried employees or other managers. You have a little more latitude in that job, but as a result, it's a little more complex and usually comes with a greater salary and a little bit more responsibility, and like I said, is viewed slightly better than supervisor. Oftentimes, it's very hard to make that move into managing people because if you haven't been doing it in your career, no one wants to take the risk on a manager being bad at it, we've all seen it. Somebody gets promoted to being a manager and they're just not good at it. After that, you usually have the senior manager title. While a lot of companies like to tell you and they like to tell their employees that senior manager is the same as being a director, The reality is, in the working world, they are not viewed the same. I'm sorry. I know it's a hard truth, but that's the reality. You can try to explain it. You can try to spin it. You may even have the same level of responsibilities as a senior manager that a director has, but you are not viewed as a director. It sucks, but it's just the nature of the beast. After senior manager, you usually have director and then senior director. This is a point in your career where you have set a very solid floor. I've seen it throughout my career. Once you get to the point where you're a director or senior director, you can be far more picky about what you want to do. A lot more opportunities open up. Obviously, earning potential goes up significantly. And on top of that, truth be told, I don't think I've ever seen a director that I've known in my career be out of work for very long. Even the worst directors I've worked with or for Ultimately, land new roles. Why? Because the belief is once you get the title of director, you must be very good at what you do. This is the point at which you become the expert in your area of field, whether you're a director of finance, a director of supply chain, a director of human resources, whatever it is, most companies view you as now being an expert in that field. And as a result, they want you and they will pay for that expertise. Often, also managing much more complex teams or overseeing entire areas of the organization as a director, hence the greater money and greater responsibility and greater career growth. In my case, I went from just managing, scheduling, and planning within a supply chain organization to becoming the supply chain director for an entire facility. Yes, that's what I ended up pulling off. I can't be more happy. I've made the move from being a manager to a director. And as a friend of mine, as we were having beers discussing this new opportunity said, you've now set a new floor in your career. For the rest of your career, if you choose to be, you will always be a director or above. So this leads me to my journey and what I learned through this whole process of looking for a new job. First off, I want to say I was extremely lucky. I worked for an excellent manager. Frankly, my last manager might have been the best manager I've had in my career. Truth be told, I would say we had become actual friends through the course of four years working for him. So it made it a lot easier to have some hard conversations about my future within the organization. And we had been having these conversations for over a year. And I don't know why, but for one reason or another, it was clear to both him asking around and me talking with people that I was not gonna move up within the organization. Candidly, I think the issue was, as is I was an outsider. I was working for a company with a lot of legacy employees who had come up from the day they started in their career to where they were, and I was the outsider. And oftentimes, I tended to ruffle feathers because I wanted to make improvements and change, and I never accepted the concept of, that's just how we've always done it. And I think over a course of time, that threatened a lot of people. That's just my theory on it. Either way, it was very clear that I was not going to move up within the organization. So at that point, it was clear that I had to start looking. And I was open with my manager. He knew. He was okay with it. He was disappointed. Not, not for me, but for the fact that he was losing me, Potentially. So I started my job search. I was doing this very slowly and selectively. I made it clear to any recruiters I talked to that I was only looking for senior manager or director level roles. It had to be within an organization that I saw long-term growth potential and a future with. And candidly, had to have great pay and great benefits. One major discussion I had with my manager very early on when I started this search, and again, this is not a move I would recommend for everyone. You have to know the situation, know your manager, and know if this is even a conversation you should have. Because understand that once you have this conversation, a bad manager might view you as a threat and you could ultimately lose your job. So I'm not sure it's the best move for everyone, but it was something that I was willing to do and I felt I had a good enough relationship with my manager to do, which I did ultimately. But I wanted to be very upfront with him and tell him a few things. First off, I don't make threats about leaving. I never have, I never will. I don't see value in going to your employer and saying, if you don't give me X, Y, or Z, I'm leaving. If you're unhappy, leave. Otherwise, stay and accept the situation. Don't make threats. The next thing I said was, if I find a new role and I plan to accept it, I don't entertain counteroffers. Simple as that. I told him these were non-negotiables. Don't waste my time with a counteroffer. Don't come at me with a counteroffer. If the organization values me enough, they will find a way to keep me before we get to the point that a counteroffer is needed. And if they don't, well, then I'm leaving. At the end of the day, he understood this and we were on the same page. Next was a rule I set for myself. I would never just take a role for the sake of leaving. I would not short sell myself or force myself into a situation that I was unhappy with. I, had, I have done that in my career and it doesn't end well. I'll be honest, I've been treated poorly too many times in my career by either employers or recruiters. What do I mean? Well, from simply being ghosted to having promises of, but no formal offers pulled from me at the last minute to other crazy things going on. I'll tell you this story. I once went as far as canceling a family event to fit in a last minute meeting with a major company COO because, and I quote, I was their guy and he just wanted to meet the future head of their supply chain. That was it. The offer was done. This was a formality. He just wanted to meet the person who was going to be fixing things and driving the company forward. After I met with him, they hit me with one last surprise. Before we can send you your offer letter, you just need to take this quick online personality test. No big deal. So I did, to never hear from them again. I pushed and I pushed and I pushed and I asked for a reason. And truth be told, the only reason I found out what happened was A, through my local network of contacts, and B... The recruiter at the company being so poor at managing how they did things that they accidentally replied to my email with comments that they meant to send to somebody else. And what did it say? He was our candidate. Everything went well. We wanted to make him the offer, but he failed the personality test. We felt he didn't have the right personality for the organization. I would later find out with someone within my network who also ended up at that company that not only did she have to do a personality test, but then they made her meet with a corporate psychologist for two hours prior to getting a job offer to make sure she was the right fit. To say the least, this is a company I would never work for, for a multitude of reasons. First and foremost, how I was treated during the recruiting process. And second of all, the fact that you would take and prioritize a personality test over what all of your managers were saying, that's just not an organization that I want to work back, work for. All right, so let's circle back to where I am now. I came across a great opportunity in an unknown company. And when I say unknown, unknown to most people in my local area that was looking for a supply chain director role. This was a billion-dollar business owned by a private equity firm in the electronic manufacturing space. What intrigued me about it? Well, first off, supply chain director. Second of all, site-level responsibility. Third of all, electronic manufacturing. Why is that intriguing? Well, the truth is, if you look at the current state of the economy and the nature of onshoring, more and more electronics manufacturing will be moving back to the US. Simple as that. And this is a space that I think will see growth over the next 10 or 15 years. So why not get some experience in it? Here's where the big catch came in. When I first spoke to the recruiter for this company, they explained to me the best that I was gonna see was a 4% raise. I explained right then and there that would not, Enticed me to leave my current position. Why? Because actually that would be a net loss in income. I would be giving up a great 401k match as well as part of a great bonus. When it was done and over with, a 4% raise to leave would have ultimately meant a 5% cut in overall compensation package. So I explained that if they wanted me, I would need an 18% raise. Why? Truth be told, it was a nice round number. It was a number I was looking for. So this is where things got off to a bad start, to be honest. And again, like I've said from the beginning, you have to advocate for yourself. The recruiter asked, even though they didn't feel like they could hit my salary requirements, if I would at least meet with one of the VPs of their supply chain organization and have a quick conversation. So I made it crystal clear. I could free up 30 minutes of my time in the morning prior to the start of my day with a hard stop. Simple as that. Well, things didn't get off to a good start. No one called me at the time we had scheduled. Ultimately, I got a text about 20 minutes later explaining that the VP wasn't able to make the phone call because an internal emergency with a customer had come up and he couldn't get on the phone with me. Completely understandable, but not a good start, to be honest. Especially when, truth be told, I wasn't sure I wanted to leave and I was pretty confident that we weren't going to be able to agree on money. But still, they apologized and asked me to give them a second chance. So again, I said, I could make 30 minutes the very next day free in the morning with a hard stop. I could not keep missing time at work. Think about this. And this is something I have found very confusing in my job search. Why wouldn't you prioritize a candidate who puts their current employer above looking for a new job? But that's not how it usually works. They expect you to accommodate them and screw your current employer. You know, take time off in the middle of the day. Cut out early to take a phone call. Well, I don't work that way. I think the best candidates are the ones who acknowledge that their first priority is their current employer, even though they're trying to better themselves. That's the kind of employee I want to hire. So they agreed to the new 30-minute meeting the next day. How did it go? Well, I thought it went okay. The opportunity sounded great. But again, I was a little concerned about the financial compensation, the overall benefits package, and a few other things. And frankly, I wasn't sure I wanted to leave the great great situation I was in. Like I said, it might pigeonhole me for the rest of my career but maybe I just coast to the end and enjoy the easy life. Let's be honest, that's not who I am though. So at 7.30 in the morning, I had the phone call. Long story short, it went great. And within an hour, I had a text from the recruiter asking if I could fit in another 30-minute call with his boss that afternoon. It had gone so well that he felt his boss, the senior VP, needed to speak with me immediately. They had explained that this position had been open for many months because the prior person who had been in it was not a good fit for the organization. And they were desperate to get the right person in to build the organization and help make improvements. So I agreed. I found 30 minutes in my afternoon. Again, I was very clear. I could make 30 minutes work with a hard stop. I had meetings and other responsibilities to get to. So we did it. And how did that go? Within five minutes of hanging up, the recruiter called me and asked if I could do a one-hour Zoom call with the site VP of the plant that I would be the supply chain director for the very next morning. They were eager to talk with me, and they wanted to do a Zoom call. So I agreed that I could do it in the morning before my day started. So we set it up. I again explained to the recruiter that they needed to understand I was not going to bend on my requirements for compensation or benefits package or overall package. I needed what I needed in order to make this move and feel good about making this move. They had all the information. Truth be told, part of the reason I was being hard about this is I was nervous about leaving and not sure I wanted to give up on such a good, cushy opportunity or situation I was in to have to relearn a whole new company, a whole new way of doing things, and a whole new industry. Listen, I tell everyone this, starting a new job sucks. The first six months, every day is like getting punched in the face. Hell, just, just the other day. I was trying to set up my new work phone and I screwed up and I am now locked out of being able to have email on my phone until I can get a hold of IT. This would have never happened in my current position. Why? Because A, I had these things set up and B, I had built my network internally within the company so I would have known who to call immediately to help me fix this. So these are the struggles you'll have with changing a job. Changing a job is very hard and I knew this, but I also knew it's something I needed to do. The recruiter assured me that there was no worries. They felt they could make the compensation package work. So okay, so how did it go? Well, fantastic. I had to call at 7 in the morning. By 8 a.m. I was to my current job, hanging out. When I got a text, I could expect an offer by that afternoon for the dollar amount I asked. Great. But at this point, I realized things were moving a little fast. I hadn't seen the plant. I hadn't met anyone in person. I knew very little about the organization other than the the total of two hours of phone conversation. So I said we needed to slow things down. I needed to go on site, get a plant tour, understand the industry a little more, and meet people in person. This is very important to me. I think you can have a great discussion over the phone, but meeting people in person is vital. And also, seeing a plant speaks volumes. I took a job once where I never got a plant tour, and when I moved in, I discovered that the place was frankly a hellhole. This was an employer who on rainy days, we would have to rock, paper, scissors on who was gonna go mop out the bathroom after the rain stopped so that we didn't have to stand in two inches of standing water to go to the bathroom. So this is why I've learned getting a plant tour and seeing the little details is vital. They said, yeah, no problem. Let's do it Monday morning, first thing, great. So again, this is where I did something that I would not recommend to most people. I sat down with my manager and explained to him what was going on. And I also reminded him of the key points. I would not make threats. This was not a threat. And once I had a formal offer, if it hit my requirements, I was going to accept it. And once I had, had it and accepted it, I was not going to entertain counteroffers. I will not and do not accept counteroffers. Simple as that. Like I said earlier, why do I not accept counteroffers? Well, if I wasn't important or good enough to promote me before I had an offer to leave, then why would I stay when you can make an offer now? Honestly, I've read horror stories about how people end up leaving, oftentimes on bad terms, or they give you the giant counteroffer just so that they can spend time backfilling you and you ultimately end up training your replacement and then one day they just let you go anyways. The truth be told, the thing that made you leave or made you wanna look to leave isn't gonna change with a counteroffer. It's still gonna be there. It may not be there for a while, but it will come back. So at the end of the day, if you are so inclined to be looking for a new job, you should probably take the offer as long as it fits your criteria. So this is where things got really interesting. I got the offer and it was for what I asked for. Great. I let my manager know I had the offer and would be signing it in two days. He immediately rushed to talk to his manager and HR to see what they could do to try to keep me. And I'll be honest, I was hoping that they could come up with something just enough to make me okay and not taking the new job. Because again, I The the fear and the apprehension and the struggle that I knew I was walking into by leaving my current job and having to learn a whole new role in a whole new industry was honestly not something I was sure I want to do. And this doesn't even tie back to my current lifestyle and all the weight loss. The fact that I would have to learn how to do all of those things at a new job. Think about that. I went from weighing almost 400 pounds to what I am now while being at my current employer. One who accommodated my diet requirements, accommodated my workout schedule, even had a gym on site. All of these things were items I had to factor in if I was going to take a new job. Just the hassle of what was I going to do for a new gym? How was I going to fit in working out? What was the schedule going to be like? Were they going to be okay with me leaving a little early so I could make sure I got in a long run or hit the weights? I don't know. So like I said, I was hoping that maybe, just maybe my current employer would come up with something to keep me. Well, they didn't. And why? Well, things got really weird at this point. Again, I wanted to stay. Just give me something. But this is where it went way off the tracks. My manager came to me and said, I need to see your offer letter. And HR wants a copy of it. And excuse my language, but I basically said, fuck no. Why did HR need to see the offer letter? I wasn't asking for a counteroffer. I was asking for them to promote me and reward me for all the hard work I had done. So what I had for an offer letter didn't matter. He agreed with me and he shared this information with HR. He left for the day because he had a family commitment and he wasn't going to be available by phone. What happened next was even more shocking. Our senior HR manager called me, not even 15 minutes later and said, "I need to see the offer letter and you need to scan me a copy, otherwise I can't write you a counteroffer." And I said, "Listen, first off, I'm not asking for a counteroffer. Why? Because like I've told my manager and I'm going to tell you, I don't accept counteroffers. Secondly, my offer letter is confidential. It's between me and my new employer. HR at this point said to me, "Well, in order to give you a counteroffer, I said again, I don't want a counteroffer. Well, in order to try to keep you to stay, we need to see what they're offering you, because you could just be lying." And I said, "Oh, so you want me to stay with an organization that thinks I'm a liar?" HR said, "No, no, we don't think you're a liar, but we think people lie." I said, "Okay. Well, I'm not sharing my offer letter." They said, "Well." then we have to assume you're lying. I said, so I am a liar. No, some people lie. We're not saying you're a liar, but people lie. If you don't wanna share details about the offer letter, simply cover those up and scan it over. And I said, well, then at that point, couldn't I just write my own offer letter in Microsoft Word and scan it over to you and black out a bunch of things and make it look like I have a counteroffer? And they said, yeah, but then you'd be lying. So we need to see the original with all the details. I said, oh, so I can't black things out. You need the original counteroffer Or you need the original offer to counter it because you think I'm a liar. And HR again said, no, no, we don't think you're a liar. We just think people lie. Oh, so you want me to stay with an organization that thinks I'm a liar? No, no, we don't think you're a liar. We just think people lie. Well, I said to HR, that's not going to happen. And this is where things got really shocking. HR said, well, just so you're clear, there's going to be some restructuring coming up. And who knows how that's going to play out. But again, no pressure. Do what you need to do. Think about it over the weekend. So what happened? I literally hang up the phone at that moment with HR, called my new employer, and said I accept the offer. Scanned over the signed copy, and it was set to leave. Why do I share that story? Well, first off, for all of you out there who are either managers or in HR, it is simple things like that that can cause a great employee to leave an organization. Think about that. I was called a liar. So, like I said, I took the offer, and I left the organization. Am I unhappy? Yeah, I loved where I was. I love the people I worked with. Am I glad I took the new opportunity? Absolutely. That said, I will tell everyone out there, understand that when you leave to take a new job, it's going to be miserable. I heard somebody say it this way. It's like getting punched in the face every day. I feel like every day when I go into work, I take two steps forward and four steps back. I know how to do this. I know how to run a supply chain, but I have to learn the systems, the people, the computers, the data. Everything is a struggle. But I also know that six months from now, it's not going to be a struggle, and I'm going to be happy to be there. And at the end of the day, I advocated for myself. I got the raise I wanted, and I got the title I wanted. I've set a new floor in my career, and one that will ultimately impact my earning potential and my long-term success for the rest of my career. It'll open up a ton of new opportunities, it adds new industries to my experience, and overall just makes me a better, more well-rounded candidate. So again, I share this whole story, not to tell you how to do things, but to just share some examples, and understand that you know, if you've listened to my previous three episodes on career planning, job loss, and looking for that new job, and how to manage through that transition, I share all of that information from true, real-world experiences. I've been through this multiple times. I just realized that in 14 years, I have had eight jobs. Now, yes, seven of those years were with the same company moving internally. But the reality is I move jobs to keep fresh and continue to grow and build my experience. And I think everyone should do this. Yeah, employers will tell you that job hopping looks bad on your resume. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you. Don't worry about what others think. Do what's best for you. I hope all of this information has helped you, and I hope my experience and my examples will motivate you in your career move. As always, these were just my experiences, but things I think can be helpful to everyone. Thank you for listening. Please join me again for future episodes. You can contact me at ParachuteAdvicePodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, ParachuteAdvicePodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at ParachuteAdvice. Again, thank you for listening and please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.